0: Hello and welcome uh, to another Books of the Year podcast from your friends at Books of the Year. I'm Simon and he's Matt. I am.
1: Yes, yeah. that's, uh, that, that is correct.
0: And everything is going pretty well. Yeah. And we, it seems to be pretty regular and we're doing it in a studio and we don't have to rely on your Wi Fi. <laughs> no,
1: we don't. And everything's uh, Those fabulous. days are over. Uh,
0: you can get in touch with us, um, uh, which we love it if you do. Um, Year at yahoo.com is an email from Bob Peaks in Ashby de la Zouche. Dear, dear books and of the year, I um, love the pod, although I listen out of sync and often have to play catch-up, so can't claim to be a super fan. Just recently, I listened to your episode with Carriad Lloyd. Uh, fascinating. As someone who is getting on a bit, Bob's words, it made me really think about the end. I took Carriad's advice and actually talked to my daughter about my death wishes. Oh. It was a little awkward at first, but I feel so much better for having chatted to her about again in quotes, those things, and I think she felt good about it too. I also bought Cariad's book, which has just arrived, and I'm very keen to read more. Thanks for the entertaining, informative, and educational podcast. Thank you, uh, Bob Peaks. I do think I remember when we were doing that interview thinking, okay, well, if you're just going to do one podcast or about one book about grief, yeah, this is the one to do, to listen to, this is the one to read because she has spoken to so many people And it didn't seem to be pushing a particular line or anything. It was just saying, this is what I have learned from all the people that I have spoken to. So, Bob, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed the interview, and I hope you enjoyed Carrier's book.
1: Indeed. Uh, we've had bags of correspondence about our interview with um, Harlan Coben, which obviously is still available if you want to listen to that, uh, where you found this podcast, as always. Um, thanks for all your messages. One of the many tweets we got was from Nicola. which said, uh, just listen to the audiobook of I Will Find You. It's absolutely cracking. I loved it. He just keeps getting better.
0: If you'd like to uh, get in touch, you can email us at any time. It's com. We're on Twitter as well at Books of the Year. Yes. What's the What's the Instagram? On Instagram at at
1: Pick Any Page. Pick Any Page.
0: Joanne Harris is waiting in the wings while she's sitting next to us for today's episode. Yes, Books of the Year, delighted to welcome Joanne Harris into our sumptuous uh, studio with her new novel, Broken Light. Hello, Joanne, how are you?
2: I'm fine. It's lovely to be here.
0: It's not a bad little studio, really.
2: It's very nice. I could live here.
0: Okay, well, that's slightly dramatic, <laughs> I think. That... <laughs> we could, you know. There are some very nice flats built in a an old gas station.
2: Yeah, I, I, Yeah. like I, I actually do live here, so yeah.
0: Okay. Well... um, Broken, broken light is now going to be dis- Well, this is why we had to try and find the cover uh, correctly because there are different covers from depending on where you are. Matt will now describe the UK cover of Joanne's new book.
1: Okay, so the so the main colours on this on this book that's going to be on your bookshelves is it's white and blue. So it's mainly a white background, but then you've got a I suppose it's like a it's a blue uh, a woman's um, face silhouette then shattering from from the back into thousands of of tiny shards and then joanne harris in big black glasses on the top broken light at the bottom uh with the um subtitle bernie moon feels invisible now it's time she made them look
0: okay so there's also one of the first things i came to was a playlist which you which you must talk talk us through um in just a moment but Introduce us. So that's what the cover looks like. Some people will still judge the book by its cover. For everyone else, they get the words of Joan Harris. Introduce us to Broken Light.
2: Well, it's a sort of psychological thriller with possibly some paranormal elements to it. And basically, I mean, the way I tend to describe it is this. Um, people who know my books know that I'm quite a fan of Stephen King. You know Carrie. Carrie. Everybody knows Carrie. Mm -hmm. So Carrie got her paranormal powers at puberty, which makes no sense at all, because why would you give paranormal powers to a pubescent girl? They're full of drama. Of course she burns down the school, she does awful things, she dies. So imagine that Carrie White had actually lived and had married, had a child, got a job, lived a, a totally normal life until she got her paranormal powers at menopause instead. So this book is kind of menopause carry.
0: That sounds as though it could have been a, a, a genuine lightbulb moment.
2: It was. It was. I just thought, hey, why don't I write menopause Carrie? And, and obviously it wasn't going to be set in America. It was going to be set over here. And it wasn't going to be like Stephen King at all, except that... There is this idea behind it of women's power and coming into power and what happens. And I thought, well, having gone through menopause and having seen how invisible you do get, and also then having gone through chemo and people going, hey, when are you getting your superpowers? Um, which is a joke that people give you when you have chemo. I thought, OK, well, what if I did have superpowers? What if somebody of my age, what if a woman my age had superpowers? What would they be like? What would she do with them? How would that work?
0: Sounds as though you had a lot of fun.
2: I had, I had super fun, but it also turned out to be a very dark book for all sorts of reasons. But it is dark, and at the same time, I think funny.
0: Yes, it is. Why did you say it turned out to be dark? It sounds as though you weren't expecting it to be that dark. I never
2: quite know what to expect of a book when I write it. Um, I didn't know the character, so I had to explore her. And it turned out that she was a very sad character, that she, she had had quite a sad life, that she had a lot of problems, that she'd been hiding, um, as people like that sometimes do. And she explodes out of this, this sad life with these failed relationships into, into something else, and it's not a comfortable thing to do. And it wasn't entirely a comfortable thing for me to be her, to be her voice.
0: Yes, and this is the Bernie Moon that you're talking about and Bernie Moon who uh, Matt referenced at the beginning. But again, I just want to pick you up when you said it turns out that she was quite a sad character. It sounds like you didn't set out to write her that way. It's
2: just that that's where the story took you. Sort of, yes. I don't generally set out to write characters. I set out to get to know characters and then I write them. Um, Or sometimes I get to know them by writing them. And it's a bit of a it's a bit of an alchemical process, I have to say it It's a bit of a fumble in the dark, and some of Bernie is taken from some of my experience, but some of it's taken from elsewhere. And some of it just completely blindsided me and said, "Hey, here I am. this is what I'm going to say, this is what I'm going to behave like and and you're going to have to write this."
0: Matt said to me, "In fact, last time we were here, you'll like this book." He'd started it before me, because um, <laughs> I've I've always liked magic, and it starts um, with with some magic when uh, Bernie goes to see the great Karovnik. Have I got have I got that right? Uh, and sees some magic perform. I would actually presented a magic show on ITV once, not very well, but I you know. But I, I've always loved doing card tricks and all that kind of stuff. So, but a, a fantastic place to start a story where a young girl is looking at a live magic show but picking up different messages to everyone else.
2: Yes, I, I love magic too, in all its forms, and I just thought, OK, I'm going to have to explain Bernie because the first scene kind of plunges you in the middle of something which which needs a certain amount of explanation. And so I thought, OK, we're going to have an episode from her childhood before, before anything has really much happened to her. And which is also going to explain some of the themes that are going to emerge in this book, because a lot of this book is about women and their visibility and to a certain extent their anger. And so Bernie, who is who's very young, has gone to the magic show to see the great Karovnik and she is fascinated by her and is just obsessed with the idea that she could be like her and then she goes home and her mother says that wasn't the great karovnik that was just his assistant the great karovnik was the guy in the top hat <laughs> and this was this was the person that bernie had hardly noticed because it was the lady the lady in silver who was doing the clever things that that she was interested in
1: I want to ask you about the let's talk delve a bit more into this superpower because you've sort of alluded to it already but we've not actually talked about what the superpower is that that Bernie has just just to, just describe what she's able to do.
2: Well it's it's much more of an implied superpower it's not like Carrie White's superpower she can't set things on fire although I did have fun playing with the idea that you know she could be doing pelvic floor exercises and moving the table up and down the way Carrie does. But I kind of thought, no, we're not going to go that way. It's going to be something that my readers can either take as a paranormal activity or they can take it as something that's happening in her head or something that's a metaphor for something else. So, Bernie can can basically see into other people's minds and she sees it as looking into their houses. People have houses. They have front rooms that are public spaces that everybody looks into and then they have secret rooms and then they have rooms at the back that are even more secret, even from themselves. And Bernie has the ability to enter into other people's houses and in some cases rearrange the furniture and also in other cases smash things around a bit and it's a power that she she has had before and has repressed for a very, very long time because because it's dangerous, because going inside people and, and moving their furniture is wrong.
1: The, the, the first time you um, talk about everyone having houses, uh, light bulbs are enough in my mind because it's such a great way of, of describing it, because we all do have that sort of the front room where when people come and visit you, that's the room we're going to take you in and what a lovely house this is and all the nice paintings. And I'm going to keep all of my nice books in this room and aren't you going to think how wonderfully sophisticated I am? And then there are the other rooms, which actually I'm not going to take you into at all. Did that that idea of how we present ourselves to others, did that just come to you like that? Let's, let's describe it as being a house.
2: I thought, what would Bernie think? How would she visualise looking inside somebody? and bernie is well not quite a housewife but she is certainly very domestic and she would think of it in that way and so i gave her that that image and and ran with it if she'd been a different character i might have given her something else but uh, no in the case of bernie houses make a lot of sense
0: i think i'm now speaking on behalf of all your readers <laughs> <laughs> wow i'm um, is- just This is presumptuous. Yeah. Okay, maybe I should phrase this slightly differently. I think most people will presume that they're real, these powers that you're talking about. There'll be some that think it's you know, an allegory or it's a metaphor or something, but I think most people will. And and it reminded me of, I don't know if you saw a film years ago starring Anthony Hopkins called Magic. Oh, yes. And he had um, a ventriloquist doll. And all the way through the movie, you're thinking, Is the ventriloquist doll possessed? Is Anthony Hopkins mentally ill? Is the doll controlling Anthony Hopkins? And it's left very open. Well, I think it answers the question at the end. I won't spoil it for people.
2: It's a wonderful film. It's a wonderful
0: book, too, by William Goldman. But it kept me, that kept me guessing. And this book will keep you guessing. And you think, okay, is it are we just imagining things are we in her house you know is she letting us into rooms that we shouldn't really shouldn't really be allowed into but my central thing is do you think most people will think these are actual powers i think they might
2: they i don't know it's it's up to people to decide and because i've got a quite broad spectrum of readers that go across actual realism into magic realism into outright magic and fantasy i don't actually know where constant reader will sit on that spectrum also I don't really want to tell people what to think I would like them to draw some of their own conclusions from this and I would much rather make them think than tell them what to think if you if you know what I mean
0: can you say anything about so we there there are two point of view characters that we have so we have Bernie and we have Kate, and the, when we come across this, is, so this is right at the very beginning. When we come across Bernie, it says from the live journal of yes of Bernadette. What what does that mean? What can you say about that?
2: Well, live journal uh, used to be and still is um, an online platform for for people to communicate and to write diaries. It was it precedes Facebook. Um, I used to use it. Some people still use it, but mostly people don't use it anymore. Um, I wanted to make it a diary format. I wanted Bernie to have somewhere to put her diary that nobody would read. So I thought, OK, she's going to use an antiquated platform, which is mostly now owned by Russians, and she won't have any followers there, so her diary will be there.
0: In brackets marked as Exhibit B1.
2: Yes. Yes, quite, because a crime will occur at some point and this is post-investigation.
0: Okay, so we have, but we so we have Bernie. We we need to mention Kate just because we also see uh, some events from her point of view. Tell us about her.
2: Kate is Bernie's age. She used to be her best friend. In fact, she was at the original magic show with the great Karovnik. Um, their parents were friends. Uh, Bernie's mother, who was always just a little disappointed in Bernie, would have liked her very much to be like Kate. Some years later, Bernie's husband would also have liked <laughs> Bernie to be more like Kate. He's useless, by the way. Right? <laughs> he is. He is <laughs> yes, actually, he's yeah, the worst. Yeah. Useless <laughs> husband. <no>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, interrupt, I interrupted. No, and, and so Kate turns out to be very popular, lovely, good at school, though not as good as Bernie, but also not weird like Bernie, and Bernie is sort of as a weird girl at school and is not popular. And so their friendship breaks up over a particular incident, which Kate doesn't remember very well, but Bernie does remember very well. And so their lives diverge. But they are still connected in a number of ways, partly because Bernie's husband once had a crush on Kate and is still sort of carrying a torch for her years later. um, But also because... Bernie, I think, still loves Kate in in a way. She was her first and best friend.
1: You mentioned um, very early on, um, Joanne, how Carrie, the Stephen King um, book, um, played such a a role as far as inspiring you to to write this story. And anyone who's listened to this podcast knows we are massive fans of Stephen King and his writing. I it struck me reading yours that whereas Stephen King decides, this is my idea with Carrie, and this is the power she has, we then leave the story of Carrie once she's, you know, when, when we've had the the massive to-do at the prom, <laughs> and everything's set on fire, and everyone's dead, um, we then leave her story. And it struck me, the the strength that your book had was, I'm going to have Bernie having this power. But then I'm going to show you the consequences of that power on the other people. And I'm being very careful here because I don't want to uh, give anything away. However, (laughs) there is a character that Bernie uses her power on. Who is? Uh, I'm going to not swear, but he's a he's he's not a nice guy. He's the uh, worst as well. He's, he's, he's a lot of awful. the men in
2: this book are the worst, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, he is. <laughs> he's definitely
1: he is definitely the worst of the worst guys. And uh, and, and uh, the, the way to illustrate that is he uh, tries to use a date rape drug on uh, a girl, and Bernie intervenes. No spoilers at all. However, there are. Impacts beyond that. It struck me that there is a there was one story to write where it would end with Bernie stopping it and everything is fine. There is a far more interesting tale to be told of what happens to that guy once Bernie has interfered, has has decided I'm going to step in and stop this. And it, that that for me is what makes this book stand out from others. Is the your decision to go. I'm going to go that extra mile and tell you what happens next to these people because it's not enough to just decide something bad has happened, I've stepped in, everything's okay again. That would be a superhero book. That's not what this is.
2: No, it's definitely not a superhero book. It's it's a messy book in some ways. It's a book about actions and their consequences. Sometimes a long time after the action, it's about the consequences that happen to other people as a consequence of those things. And yes, it it's... It is Carrie Grows Up, so it's it's not as simple as Carrie. And, and by the way, I love Stephen King, I love Carrie, but it's, it's really not like that because Stephen King's book is extremely focused on events, whereas I really want to focus on people and on time spent with those people. Um, I wanted also to take out a lot of the just general girl-on-girl meanness that's in Carrie and focus instead on... Friendships and relationships. And I also didn't want the victims to be quite such black and white characters. I wanted everybody to have their own resonance within this, this group of people that I've built up. So although I say that people are the worst, nobody is entirely evil. Nobody is entirely good. Um Martin your... is,
0: entirely <laughs> is entirely useless. He is entirely he
2: useless. Yeah. He is quite a lot useless, but he, he has... Uh, She stayed with him for various reasons, which are not necessarily bad reasons. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centres or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Um, there is a, um, is it a journal? Is an online journal that uh, she's reading called My Big Fat Menopause. <laughs> yes. Uh, by D.D. LaDouche.
2: Yeah. La Deuce. La Deuce. Yes, but we can call her La Douche because uh, you know, she's she's also kind of the worst. Yeah.
0: This just sounded like um, here is here's everything that is terrible about uh, literature, some of the literature that's aimed at women, particularly coming from America. This is what it's not like um, and this isn't very helpful.
2: Yes, well, Dee Dee became Bernie's go-to um, influencer. Because you know she presents menopause in this hyper positive way, and she's super bouncy about it. And to her, the answer is always have another cup of herbal tea, dear, have sex, um, you know, wear one of these wonderful outfits that you can't afford, and just lounge on your deck and just enjoy getting, uh, getting into the prime of your life. And it's so unrealistic to Bernie um, that in a way it's a kind of escapism for her, but it's also a sort of comic relief because sometimes Bernie's real life gets awfully dark and and I have to relieve her with something I have to give her some some level of, of lightness in there otherwise we would all be weeping into our tea by now.
0: Um one of the things I enjoyed particularly was the way you use social media. I mean you're you're on um, Twitter a lot and a lot of people follow your your tips and your writing uh, ideas and on YouTube uh, and so on but a lot of writers struggle, I think, with using... Like, the mobile phone has messed so many things up. You know, wouldn't it be so much easier if, oh, look, uh, my <laughs> phone's out of battery, yeah. or I'm in an area you know, that doesn't uh, get any signal. So, but some, sometimes it just feels very lumpy, a bit like when some authors invent a pop song and a pop star that doesn't really exist. You think, no, that doesn't real, really feel realistic. The way you use Twitter particularly feels as though you still like Twitter and it's used convincingly and some of the madness and some of the hatred that's out there you use very well.
2: Well, I use what I see and I use what has played a part in my life and I find that Twitter, for all its ills, is also a positive, at least for me. And so I'm still on it. I still use it. And also I think you're right. It's very difficult to ignore social media because it's such a huge thing in our lives. We either set stuff in the 80s or we run with it or we create some sort of power outage, which means that nobody can use social media. But um, even Bernie, who is quite square, definitely uses social media because she's partly very lonely. And so I wanted to give her a community online because... There is a lot about mirrors in this book. There is a lot about seeing and being seen or not being seen. And I saw Bernie very much as the Lady of Shalott who looks into her mirror, and the mirror is, of course, the internet here, to enjoy the outside world because she's afraid. She's afraid that something terrible will happen if if she she actually steps out into the real world. And so it was useful to me to to use that partly as a community and partly also as a metaphor. And... When Bernie eventually does come into her power, she finds a way of stepping beyond this mirror into the real world with its real consequences. And, and that is part of her story. It's an important part.
0: One of the things I saw you were uh, talking about recently is the importance of the opening line and um, 10 things that we need to understand about getting the opening line. Was, this, was your opening line in this book straightforward? Did it just emerge? Did you go back to it?
2: My opening line was not actually the line that I went for in the end. Um, It would have been a good opening line, but it would have given a slightly different tone to the beginning of the story. And so instead, I put the whole of the Great Karovnik scene there instead. Um, Otherwise, I would have opened with Bernie lying in bed, in a lake of menstrual blood, going, fuck it, what a way to start the weekend, which would have been actually a pretty great <laughs> opening. But, you know so I didn't I ended up that we not don't. doing that. Okay.
0: What we do get is the first seven can I do, can I say what the, oh, you should yes, say. Go say ahead, what, no, what you, no, it's your line, you say.
2: Oh, I don't remember what it is. Go on. I've got no memory at all. Let's the first seven
0: years of my life are a blank.
2: That's it, yes. Yes, and and I mean to me actually that's a pretty good opening for Bernie because she does have enormous blanks in her awareness of herself and other people and what's happened, and yeah, there there are things there that that need to be found and rooted out in this narrative. It's not it's not an easy narrative. The reader has to work a little bit too.
0: Yes, no, I just think it's, it's interesting because sometimes you have a big show off. Opening line, you know, like a line that takes an entire paragraph. Mm. You're thinking, Uh, "Oh my goodness me, that's that's taken that's taken a lot of work." But I love the fact that you think people will judge. People may well be judging me on the first page, and if I'm not hooked, there's a lot of other things competing for my attention. But you you go straight in, you hook them in.
2: Well, I think it's important. It's not necessarily important to have a great opening line, although some people like like Ian Banks are just masters of the. The hook line but I think it's much better to have a hook paragraph or a hook page or a hook chapter because otherwise it can feel a bit cheap
1: I was so I knew I was going to enjoy the book from the opening page and I I, so I'm massively shallow and judge things very very easily and so when I don't need to be hooked in the opening line or opening paragraph. However, I need to know I'm in safe hands that I think, oh, right, the writing here is pretty good. I'm going to be okay. So I'm going to just go along with this for the ride. Um, I do want to talk to you about um, something that is right at the centre of this book that we have sort of skirted around, but I, I think we need to delve into, and that is uh, men's violence against women. And uh, so, right, uh, this is not a spoiler, um, right in the middle of the book, a uh, woman has been um, uh, assaulted and killed in a park near near where Bernie lives. And although we've sort of said, you know, there are some uh, men in this book who are um, awful uh, or dreadful or useless or whatever, I didn't feel reading it that this was a all men are crap uh, book. However, what I did feel is why is it that men are getting away, or some men are getting away with unspeakable acts again and again? And I wondered whether this was written because obviously right now we are in the middle of what feels like a tidal wave of um, unaccounted uh, men performing violence against women. And we've had Sarah Everard. We've then had the massive problems in the Met as well. How much was that playing into you into your mind when you were writing this?
2: Well, I think inevitably, I wrote it alongside the Sarah Everard case. And it was also on the tale of the Me Too. And it was also against lockdown. And so some of it was ended up being a lot about isolation and also about fear and the fear of violence. And I think, you know, very clearly those things were were linked. I didn't consciously pursue it, but I found that I was pursuing it simply because current events were leading me down that path.
0: You describe it, you have words at the back of the book, you describe this as a
2: strange and unexpected book. Yes, it was. I wasn't expecting to write it. It's... um, Because? Well, because it's, to me, it's a little peculiar. It's For a start, it's urban, whereas I don't generally write about life in cities. Um, It's neither magic realism nor outright fantasy. It's sometimes darker than what I'm used to to writing. It feels quite personal too, even though I am definitely not Bernie. Um, There's enough of me inside Bernie for me to feel at home inhabiting her for that time. And some of it feels as if it might be a bit confessional. Um, it's not really, but it's, it's a kind of filtration process. Some of what I wrote was my feelings about having cancer treatment during lockdown. Um, some of it was about having gone through menopause. Um, so those are not normally things I write about um, or I talk about much.
0: Was there any stage at which you were thinking, am I even right to go ahead with this book? You know, <laughs> I'm sure you've got quite a few other stories up and running. Did, did you ever feel uncomfortable enough to not continue?
2: No, because I always go ahead with whatever it is that I want to write at the time. I mean, sometimes I think, will anybody like this book? That, that was definitely a question. Will anybody get it? Um, will anybody see what I'm trying to do here? but you know i wrote it anyway because that's what i do
0: and has the, just on the the internet and the importance of the internet and social media i just wonder were, were there any t- uh, i work with people who have decided not to be on it anymore because of the amount of uh, horrible stuff that's on because elon musk is clearly an idiot
2: absolutely uh
0: and a force for evil in uh in the world evil is the wrong word but a, a, f- <laughs> yeah. but a force for all the worst
2: yeah he's not life enhancing in any way Yeah.
0: have you ever thought about find, finding something else
2: well yes and no i mean yes there are some awful things about being online and there's abuse and there's trolling and there's misinformation, and there is also huge rafts of time wasted arguing with people you don't know about something you won't change. But there is also community. There's also support. There's also communication. And actually, those things are really what writing is about, communicating, getting stuff out there. So, yeah, I mean, I think really the positives still outweigh the negatives by quite a long way.
0: Uh, I did a bit of uh, work the way uh, Bernie would have done in terms of just ferreting around and finding out what people uh, are saying about your book. And um, the, the, the own so I'll bring this up. You'll be you'll be fully ready for this. But the only thing that I can find that people are going, oh, I can't be doing with this, is the fact that you talk about hot flashes <laughs> and not hot flushes. Yeah. Okay. So hot flushes is obviously u- often used to describe uh, one of the symptoms of menopause. But you use hot
2: flashes. I do. And
0: there are some online idiotic people saying, Oh, I can't be doing with this. uh, (laughs) It's an
2: Americanism. What is is that? What is
0: there? Well, you've read this. Yeah. Okay. Several
2: people have said this. I'm a little disappointed, really, that anybody who knows my work wouldn't have thought, hmm. I wonder why she used that instead of going, how ridiculous she's used Americanism. I mean, actually, I wanted to use that term because I wanted it to signify something different. To me, the hot flush is a symptom of menopausal unease. But Bernie's hot flashes are quite, quite different. She gets physical symptoms, but she also gets paranormal symptoms. She has flashes of insight, of inspiration, of intuition. It's what precedes her entry into someone's house. So I wanted to use a term that was close enough but not close enough to actually make the distinction. So it was a very conscious choice. Um, I hope that most people will, will see that and will will read beyond the word into into what the word is actually trying to convey. But yeah, I mean, people... People may well read things in different ways. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, my mother read a proof of this book, and she just hated it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because oh, why are why are the women so angry? Why are the men all such douches? This sort of thing, <laughs> you know. It was, and I said, well, you know, it is a book about women's anger, Mum. Oh, well, women aren't like that, she said. But you know, she's not like that. But some some women are, and some women, I think, will probably recognise themselves. I don't think I really wrote it for somebody of her generation, honestly. But, you know, we'll see. Everybody has a different way of, of seeing a book, which is actually the the glorious thing about books, is that, you know, you send them out like seeds into the air and sometimes they land somewhere and they grow and sometimes somebody goes, oh, I can't be doing with this. And, and they move on and it's fine. And whatever somebody gets from it is at least partly what they bring to the table. You know, if you have nothing of yourself to bring to a story, then it's unlikely that you will engage with it in the same way that someone whose experience finds something there to relate to will will find that there's something something of them in there.
0: I would like to encourage you not to take too much notice of First of all, the people who complain about hot flash, but also your mother in this case. Oh,
2: I've been ignoring her for years. (laughs) She hardly ever writes. She she hardly ever likes anything I write. (laughs) That's
0: okay. What's that about? I'm looking deeply into your house now.
2: (laughs) Oh, well, my mother, both my parents are teachers. They would have liked me to be a teacher. So I was. Uh, for 15 years I was a a good teacher actually but I always wanted to write. My mother has never quite forgiven me for leaving teaching and feels that I really should go back. So, you it's know, a proper job. Yeah, it's a proper job with a pension <laughs> that she understands. All this this nonsense, I'm not sure she can really get her head around it.
0: You've written so many bestsellers. Uh Joanna. because this is as in your words a strange and unexpected book, are you do you get nervous at all when a new book is on its way as to how it will go down and how your readers will perceive
2: it oh always always it doesn't matter how many books they've been
0: well i'm going to say reassuring words and that is your mother is wrong yeah let <laughs> just are, agree I've, on i, I should ne- tell
2: her you said something. i've never
0: actually said that to any <laughs> no. guest never felt confident it feels wrong doesn't it yeah. um uh, and it's 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 compelling. And I think about I'm thinking about I was thinking about Bernie this morning, even though I was trying to clear up the clutter in the house. I was thinking about Bernie. She's a character that stays with you, I think.
2: Well, I'm so pleased to hear it. I hope that's what people will take from it, that, that she is somebody to think about. As but she isn't necessarily a design for living or me or, or perfect in any way. But but yes, remembering Bernie, I think, is is a good takeout.
0: out. Joanna Harris? thank you very much. The book is Broken Light. There will be a Q&A uh, along uh, very shortly in a couple of days time with Joanne. But for the moment, Joanne, thank you very much.
2: Thank you.